Hi guys, thank you so much for tuning in to whoever listens to this, the one listener. Maybe it'll just be myself listening in on myself a few years from now, but I feel like it's important to record certain things and this is such an amazing tool to have. Um, I feel like we can create some amazing change in the upcoming years with just talking we are a society that lacks meaningful talking and conversation and i want to be part of the change i want to be part of something different i've always said we should have symposiums we should have a place where we just go to like talk and conversate and i mean you could do that anywhere but this would be like a designated place to go and have debates and talk and i feel like that would be an amazing thing um, my name is Edith. I am a human. <laughs> That's all I'm comfortable with sharing as of now. I'm a very private person. I don't seem to be. I don't seem to be, but I really, really am. Um, I am on a journey of self-discovery and a journey of getting to know myself, all parts of me, the dark parts and the light parts and the good parts and the bad parts and everything in between. I would like you to join me into this podcast called Lit Musings where I will be having guests come over and talk to me about their favorite books and why they're the favorite books and the quotes from these books and just everything having to do with literature. I'm just so very passionate about anything having to do with books. So without further ado, let's get started on today's episode. I have in front of me a book that's called Conversations with God. I have number two in front of me. This is a book that changed my life. It's really as simple as that. It began a deep introspective journey in me in 2015 that I am so ever very, very, very thankful for. Um, I feel like books and ideas have the power to do that. They have the power to change lives. Absolutely. I, it's one of the most powerful tools to change societies and change cultural narratives and individual lives. And literacy is just so very important. I feel like we don't have enough of this. Um, talking about society. Okay, so this is a quote. Okay, I'm not going to read that one because it has nothing to do with what I want to talk about. Okay, this one's amazing. So the guy asks a question, right? Um, the author's name is... Where are you? Neil Donald Walsh. So he asks, Can you put the change that must be made into one sentence? And God answers, I already have several times. You must stop seeing God as separate from you and you as separate from each other. The only solution is the ultimate truth. Nothing exists in the universe that is separate from anything else. Everything is intrinsically connected, irrevo irrevocably interdependent, interactive, interwoven into all the fabric of life. All government, all politics must be based on this truth. All laws must be rooted in it. This is the future hope of your race. The only hope for your planet. And how beautiful... 
and how true is that? This was actually written in 1985, if I'm not incorrect. Okay, this one's 97. The first one was 1995. And the author of this book, Neil, he was in a very bad place in his life. He had just gotten divorced or was in the process of divorcing. I'm not sure. Um, I think he had some issues with addiction, um, amongst others. And one day he started writing in a yellow notepad. And he started writing to God. And God answered. And that became the books that he has written. I think it's really amazing to have this modern take on God and the energy of everything that is. And it's such an amazing, I fully recommend it. It's such a heavy thing to try to have a conversation about God. And I feel almost like it's blasphemous to try to understand something that's so far beyond our five senses. But these are things that we have to get past, that we have to get comfortable with, we have to talk about, we have to have just conversations about everything having to do with the force that runs through everything that is life. For a long time, we have believed that God is this male, this white male, uh, somewhere up in the sky, and he's um, judging everything and everyone, and he's keeping a close look on what you're doing, and if you're not doing things the right way, you're going to go to hell. And nobody wants to go to hell, obviously. Everybody wants to get into heaven, right? The thing with that idea is that there is punishment. And I very much so feel that this idea of a, pun a punishing, judgmental God came from, obviously, a punishing, judgmental human. Now... What if we try to get outside of the human mind since God, in my viewpoint, is outside, exists outside of the human mind and outside of our limitations? What would that God be like? What would he think about? What kind of judgments would he have? Is he a he? Is, is it a he? Is, there a, is it a female? Is it a nun? What is it? Now, I feel like when we get into these um, depths, we have to understand that our minds are obviously so limited. And I keep saying that, and I feel like I truly believe that. I've always felt like we have just these five senses to make sense of a world. And that's what we deem to be real and that's what reality is to us what we can touch what we can hear smell taste and see five limited senses kind of like five windows that we look out from into this vast vast unknown universe so in my mind i don't believe that god has human judgment i don't believe that god has human ways of dealing with things such as punishment. And in my heart, I believe, and I know 
and I will continue to believe this, I hope, until the day that I die. I believe that everybody is born good. Everybody's born with innate love and kindness. And I feel like throughout experiences, things that we go through in childhood, things that we go through in adolescence, like when we're teenagers and adults, change us and they harden us if we let them, obviously. Um, if we are able to realize that we have in ourselves all the power to be kind and to be loving and to be love. We won't be afraid of going to hell if we do certain things. Like the kindness will be automatic. And this is what the book talks about. These these ideas that I just talked about right now, these are all my ideas. And I was I was always very anti-religion growing up. I never, I, I hated going to church. I hated the energy of church. I couldn't stand seeing, I'm talking about Catholic church, a, a dead Jesus on a cross in an altar. I don't, I can't even understand it now. I don't fathom why we're praising a dead Jesus. When Jesus was so amazing, he had so many amazing ideas. And here we are in a temple and he's like hanging there and he's dead. And we're like eating his body and drinking his blood. And to me, that shit was always, always like even as a teenager, like borderline satanic. I couldn't comprehend it. I couldn't understand it. And I still don't. And I still don't go to church. I still, I can't, I can't. Amongst, amongst many other things that we know the Catholic Church is involved in. I'm not even going to get into that right now. So this book, Conversations with God, came along um, to me. To, it landed in my hands by coincidence in 2015. And as I was reading it, it was the first book that I was reading. I could not stop fucking crying. Like every single thing that it talked about literally spoke to my soul. And the first book is still my favorite. I think I've read it maybe about three times. I will read it again. I was reading it again and I was halfway through it and then I lost it. I have a fucking bad habit. Not a bad habit. I take my books everywhere. So I'll take it with me like when we're going to a restaurant to eat. And I forgot it and I lost it. So I never went back. And I see it as a gift. Whoever finds it, I hope they read it. And I hope it really um, shifts something in them. So... Um, okay, there's like a lot of pages that I've bookmarked here, bookmarked, and I want to read a couple because this is really, really insightful. And okay, so this is page 152 from Conversations with God, book two. <laughs> I sound like I'm reading a Bible excerpt. Um, anyway, so it says you are not angry when someone is unkind because you have no need for them to be kind you have no anger when someone is unloving because you have no need for them to love you you have no anger when someone is cruel or hurtful or seeks to damage you for you have no need for them to behave any other way and you are clear that you cannot be damaged you do not even have anger should someone seek to take your life because you do not fear death when a fear is taken from you, all else can be taken from you and you will not be angry. You know inwardly, intuitively, that everything you've created can be created again. 
or more importantly, that it doesn't matter. When you find inner peace, neither the presence nor the absence of any person, place, or thing, condition, circumstance, or situation can be the creator of your state of mind or the cause of your experience of being. This does not mean that you reject all things of the body. Far from it. You experience being fully in your body and the delights of that, as you never have before. Yet, your involvement with things of the body will be voluntary, not mandatory. You will experience bodily sensations because you choose to, not because you are required to in order to feel happy or to justify sadness. This one simple change, seeking and finding peace within, could, were it undertaken by everyone, end all wars, eliminate conflict, prevent injustice, and bring the world to everlasting peace. <laughs> there is no other formula necessary or possible world peace is a personal thing what is needed is not a change of circumstance but a change of consciousness and cue the tears I'm a very 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 sensitive person I always have been and when I was younger I always had this idea that it was a bad thing to be sensitive because I got that message from everyone, from my parents, from teachers, from friends, so-called friends. Oh, just, just calm down. It's not a big deal. Or just, just relax. Can you tone it down? Or this is not real. This is not happening. You know, like all these invalidating things. And thank God, thank God that I never let any of that kill my sensitivity because my sensitivity is the most beautiful thing in the world. It allows me to feel, like to feel everything so intensely. And now that I'm older and I allow myself to and I surround myself with people that understand it is the most beautiful, beautiful thing in the world. So I know... Some of you that might be listening may be younger and maybe think that being sensitive, if you are sensitive, is a bad thing. Trust me, it is the most beautiful, beautiful thing in the world. Embrace your sensitivity. Embrace everything that you feel. It took me a long time to understand this and now I do. to believe that um, in the wise words of this I think he was a German philosopher Frederick Nietzsche he had a quote that I lived by my entire freaking late teens mid twenties there are no eternal facts as there are no absolute truths and I fully believe this believe did the past tense um now i have more of a viewpoint and it's obviously still an opinion that the only truth in the entire universe is that everything is one and i feel this in my bones i feel it very deeply i feel it in my soul i don't think there is such a thing as separation only the illusion of and You know that thing where we believe something and we tend to seek out, you know, things and people and situations and everything that kind of solidify that belief 
And then when you're like in it, you're like, okay, this is the only thing I believe and I don't believe anything else other than this. I don't mean to be like that with this particular belief, but I think I might be. <laughs> I don't believe in separation. I believe that everybody and everything that exists, the plants and the sky and the water and you and me, I fully believe that we are all one. And saying it feels so beautiful. It feels so right in my body. It, I almost feel it like in my torso, like my chest area, you know. If you know about chakras, I feel it like in my sacral chakra and my heart chakra. <laughs> so, but, you know, I'm open. I'm open to, to ideas. I think certainty for me would be death. Um, I never want to be certain of anything. I want to keep evolving. I want to keep knowing. I want to keep going. I, don't, I also don't want to be like, you know, that quote. I think it's like a MySpace quote. Don't be so open-minded that your brain falls out. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to, to another. So what this God in this book talks about, I, I agree with a lot of the things that it says. Okay. So he talks about hard stuff. Um, there's a chapter where he talks about education, which is a very, very, very important thing, obviously, educating our children. And he talks about the difference between wisdom and knowledge. And I've always believed this to be very important to be able to differentiate between wisdom and knowledge. Um, I do feel that the current schooling system has a lot of, um, puts a lot of importance in memorizing things and like knowing things, but not a lot of importance on questioning and on being a critical thinker and on just being open and being wise, being discernful. Discernment is a very important thing that we never get taught in school. We kind of just get taught to blindly follow and believe whatever it is they tell us. So I definitely feel like that needs to change. Definitely. Um, okay, so here he talks about education. Okay. Uh, certainly, when you give your children knowledge, you are telling them what to think. That is, you're telling them that they are supposed to know what you want them to understand is true. You're telling them that what they are supposed to know, what you want them to understand is true. When you give your children wisdom, you do not tell them what to know or what is true, but rather how to get to know their own truth. And Neil answers, but without knowledge, there can be no wisdom. So this is like a back and forth. Um, conversation happening here so this was neil but without knowledge you there can be no wisdom and god replies agreed that is why i have said you cannot ignore knowledge in favor of wisdom a certain amount of knowledge must be passed on from one generation to the next obviously but as little knowledge as possible the smaller amount the better let the child discover for itself know this knowledge is not lost wisdom is never forgotten so our school should teach as little as possible. Your school should turn their emphasis around. Right now they are focused highly on knowledge and paying precious little attention to wisdom. 
classes in critical thinking, problem solving, and logic are considered by many parents to be threatening. They want such classes out of the curriculum. As well they might if they want to protect their way of life because children who are allowed to develop their own critical thinking processes are very much likely to abandon their parents' morals, standards, and entire way of life. In order to protect your way of life, you have built an education system based upon the development in the child of memories, not abilities. Children are taught to remember facts and fictions, the fictions each society has set up about itself, rather than given the ability to discover and create their own truths. Programs calling for children to develop abilities and skills rather than memories are soundly ridiculed by those who imagine that they know what a child needs to learn. Yet, what you have been teaching your children has led your world toward ignorance, not away from it. This is such an important point for me. I fully, fully believe that we should not raise our children the same way that our parents raised us. Because that world from 20, 30 years ago does not exist anymore. The world that our parents grew in, that they grew up in and they experience, that doesn't exist anymore. The world that our children are going to grow up in is going to be a new world. And we need to take the lead of our children into the future, not the other way around. I feel like this is one of the big things that society as a whole needs to work on. Children need to be listened to, respected, validated. From the moment they are born, from the moment they are born, they deserve utmost respect. And I have a very, 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 I'm very passionate about parenting, about respectful parenting. And, and just, um, one of the, one of the things that I never understood that I still can't understand is the cry it out method for babies. So babies are biologically not, not able to sleep through the night for, I would say, I am going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with my opinion. I don't think babies should sleep through the night, maybe for like the first year. And there is this method called the cry it out method where at three or four months, you leave your baby, you feed him, you change his diaper, you put him to bed and you train him to sleep for eight hours, six hours, eight hours straight. And if he cries, you soothe for a minute or whatever. And then you get out of the room and you let him cry until pretty much he's exhausted and he falls asleep. This is abuse in its purest form. Um, Babies, obviously, are they learn through touch and through connection with the mother, with the caretakers. When we are doing this, we are severing. Like, I'm sure there's some biological shit that goes on in their brains where... Um, it, it messes them up for life. And I really do believe that this has implications later on in life that lead to mental illness and to like a lot like anxiety. Can you imagine being a baby, not knowing anything about the fucking physical world and crying for your caretaker, for your mother, like it's a biological thing and them not showing up? You might not remember this consciously 20 years from now, 30 years from now, but your body will remember all of that. All of that negative energy will stay in your body for that long. It will will manifest as something else later on in life. My point being, 
we need to understand that children are souls coming into bodies and we need to respect them and treat them as such. We need to take their lead, not the other way around. It feels almost a bit dangerous to talk about this stuff because I do believe that some people are so attached to their ideas that anything that contradicts them just feels dangerous to them and they're willing to fight for what they believe in, which there is nothing wrong with that, but I deeply feel that we should have a way to be able to have conversations, to be able to have hard conversations about politics, about religion, without getting emotionally involved. And I think that's one of the biggest issues in modern society. I have um, all these ideas that I would say, I, I understand they're very controversial, but I do think there should be space for everything because that's what this is for. This is what podcasts are for. And this is opinions. Obviously, everything is opinion. Um, I do believe, though, that the reason why we have a lot of issues in the world right now is because everyone believes that reality is just this thing that is set in stone. So we are born and we are told by our parents what's real and what's not. And we are told what emotions are okay, what emotions are not okay. We're told how to behave, how to dress, how to be. And I do believe that humans are meant to be these like ever-changing entities that we're not meant to be put in a box. We're not meant to be labeled. To define is to limit by my boy Oscar Wilde. Um, I do believe... We are entering a phase now where reality is sort of being shifted. It's shifting. There is something happening where we are able to see that there's more than one perspective. There is more than two. There's there's infinite perspectives to like the same world. And I do believe that we have the power to create the reality that we want to live in. I I fully believe this. When I say this, it feels right in my body. I'm going to read an excerpt. From chapter 20, page 241, from Conversations with God, book two, which is going to be, this is the last segment. And I just kind of opened it to like a random page. I like to do that sometimes with my books, and I feel like whatever it says on there, it's always the right thing. I have a weird connection like that. (laughs) Okay, so this is a conversation. So Neil asks, why do people doubt you? And God answers, because they doubt themselves. Why do they doubt themselves? Because they have been told to, taught to. By whom? People who claim to be representing me. I don't get it. Why? Because it was, in a way, is the only way to control people. You must doubt yourself, you see? Or you would would claim all of your power. That would not do. That would not do at all. Not for the people who currently hold the power. They are holding the power which is yours and they know it. And the only way to hold on to it is to start stave off the world's movement towards seeing and then solving the two biggest problems in the human experience, which are 
Well, I've discussed them over and over again in this book. To summarize then, most, if not all of the world's problems and conflicts and all of your problems and conflicts as individuals would be solved and resolved if you would, as a society, number one, abandon the concept of separation. Number two, adopt the concept of visibility. Never see yourself again as separate from one another and never see yourself as separate from me. Never tell anything but the whole truth to anyone, and never again accept anything less than your grandest truth about me. The first choice will produce a second, for when you see and understand that you are one with everyone, you cannot tell an untruth or withhold important data, or be anything but totally visible with all others because you will be clear that it is in your own best interest to do so. But this paradigm shift will take great wisdom, great courage, and massive determination. For fear will strike at the heart of these concepts and call them false. Fear will lead at the core of these magnificent truths and make them appear hollow. Fear will distort, disdain, destroy. And so fear will be your greatest enemy. Yet you will not have, cannot produce a society for which you have always yearned and of which you have always dreamed until, unless and until you see with wisdom and clarity the ultimate truth. That what you do to others you do to yourself. What you fail to do for others, you fail to do for yourself. That the pain of others is your pain, and the joy of others is your joy. And that when you disclaim any part of it, you disclaim part of yourself. Now is the time to reclaim yourself. Now is the time to see yourself again as who you really are, and thus render yourself visible again. For when you and your, and your true relationship with God become visible, then we are indivisible, and nothing will ever divide us again. And although you will live again in the illusion of separation, using it as a tool to create yourself anew, you will henceforth move through your incarnations with enlightenment, seeing the illusion for what it is, using it playfully and joyfully to experience any aspect of who we are which it pleases you to experience, yet never more accepting it as reality. You will never more have to use a device of forgetfulness in order to recreate yourself anew, but you will use separation knowingly simply choosing to manifest as that which is separate from a particular reason and a particular purpose. And when you are thus totally enlightened, that is, once more filled with the light, you may even choose as your particular reason for returning to your physical life, the reminding of others. You may select to return to the physical life, not to create an experience in a new aspect of yourself, but to bring the light of truth to this piece of place of illusion so that others may see. Then you will be a bringer of the light. Then you will be part of the awakening. There are others who have already done this. Beautiful. I swear, there are pieces of a literature that just get you in a place where we forget we have sometimes we are so much more so much more than our minds and our bodies and we are so caught up in that that we forget that deep place within us and this is why anybody does anything this is why art exists this is why books exist and this is music and this is that beautiful part of life and this is my last segment, guys. Four segments in my first episode. I thank you, thank you guys so much for listening 
um, whoever is, I send you all of my love and we are here. We are here and we can do this. Thank you.